there and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. Good morning, everybody. It's nice to see you all and be up here to share with you today. This morning, I am going to speak to you um, for part four of our series on the Holy Spirit for cynics and zealots. It's our part four, and the message today is titled Worshipping in Spirit and Truth. So we've been digging deep into the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he does, what his purpose is, how that can outwork in us, and also the gifts that he gives us and the fruit of the Spirit. Um, Today, we're going to focus on a slightly different aspect of the Holy Spirit's power and his purpose, and that is his role in our worship. So, uh, worship is defined as, I think I've got a few on the screen for you, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity, quite wordy, but more specifically for us, it's an act of attributing reverent honor and homage to God. And then I saw this one, which isn't a dictionary definition, but I really liked that. And it's worship is bowing down to lift up. So that's a really simple but really nice definition of what worship is. It is when we bow down to lift up and exalt God. And it can be any way that we do that. So it can be our giving, it can be prayer, it can be our conversations, it can be sung worship. And that is the kind of the type of worship that I'm going to focus on this morning. Because if you know me, you know that that is a really important part of my my worship. I'm sometimes up here playing the keyboard. Um, I just, I love sung worship and worshiping Jesus in that way. For me, it is the way that I've always connected the most with him. Um, so a couple a couple of examples, a couple of stories. I'm going to jump straight into the supernatural because that's what we've been doing. Well, that's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks is that the Holy Spirit is supernatural and he works in us and that is supernatural and we should be expecting that. So the, um, the first time that I remember encountering the Holy Spirit was during worship that I didn't actually quite realize was worship until it happened. So I was in my bedroom listening to this song. And it's a song that I'd heard loads of times before by a band who I didn't know at the time were a Christian band. I only knew them through their secular music, but they are a Christian band. And there's kind of, when you know, you can hear the threads through that. Um, I was listening listening to the song, just singing along. And I just got this, like, whoosh is the only way I can describe it, over me, of this song is not about a person that someone loves. It's about God. Um, And the the chorus is, how can I stand here with you and not be moved by you? And I was listening to that song. I was like, this is about Jesus. This is about God. And I was in my room. I was just like, I need to do something about this. And I had been coming to youth for a long time. I was that kind of you know, came along on the Friday. I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. And I had the head knowledge, but I'd not encountered Jesus for myself at that point. And it was, there was something that was sort of stopping me from saying like, yes, Jesus, I'm going to give my life to you. Um, and so that's, that sort of happened. I was like, this is, this is really interesting. This is, this is a bit different. This is a bit weird. And then the f- next Friday, later that week, I was walking down this very path and the band were practicing for the, the set that Friday night at youth. 
and I hear this song. I'm like, I know that song. And it was that song, which is called Everything by Lifehouse. And they were playing it, and they were worshipping that song. It was worship. And in that moment, I was like, that was God. That was Jesus in my room saying, like, you have been on the fence for long enough. Get in here. Um, and then so that Sunday was the first Sunday that I came to church on the Sunday and have not looked back. Um, so that's an example of... Um, the Holy Spirit kind of encountering me through worship completely spontaneously. I wasn't asking. I wasn't looking for him in that moment. He made that decision. He was like, you have dilly-dallied about long enough. I'm coming to you. And then another example, um, when I went on mission to Belarus in 2018? 18. I think it was 2018. I went out to see Andrew and Avril, who many will, of you will know or know of, um, and we, were, we went to a church service um, there. Can I say? We, we went to a church service there. And um, the, we were worshipping. And um, the lyrics were obviously all in Russian. It was being sung in Russian. The words on the screen were in Russian. And I was sort of there like, I don't know what any of this means. I'm struggling to, I'm struggling to worship. I'm struggling to connect because I, I don't know what these words are. And I, sort of, I prayed in that moment, a, a very un-Esther prayer. At this point, I'm definitely at the cynical end of the spectrum. Um, I was like, God, give me a way to understand what this means. And I sort of in my head was hoping that suddenly the words were all going to just change to English. <laughs> um, it didn't quite happen like that. But I started singing not in English. I don't know if it was Russian. I don't know if it was, or if it was just another kind of tongues language. Um, but I, I had never speak, spoken in tongues before then. I was very much like, that's not something that I do. Um, and it just came out, and it just came out, and I just felt, and I can't really explain it, but ev what happened in that service, I got, and I, I understood. So that's a couple of examples of how the Holy Spirit can just come in. Once, absolutely spontaneously, another time when I was asking and seeking. But it doesn't always happen like that. So if you're sat here thinking, that's never happened to me, please don't take that as a, this isn't for me, or be cynical about it, because most of the time, that, the way that that, how that happened, that's rare. Most of the time, encountering the Holy Spirit comes through continually seeking him, continually speaking to him and asking for him to do something. It's quite rare in my experience that he will just whoosh down like that. Um, but that can happen. And that is what I kind of want to encourage us today is that we should, we should be expectant for both. We should be expectant that he could come at any moment, but also trying to cultivate um, a way of living and a kind of faith discipline where we are expecting that. So, so the reason I kind of share those stories is to kind of encourage you that, um, yeah, it doesn't matter if that is a way that you are kind of used to experiencing the Holy Spirit um, or not, um, but that worship and sung worship is about more than just singing songs, and it's more than even glorifying God in a way that we can in our conversations. We can have a conversation with someone and we can tell them how wonderful God is, and that is still worship, that is glorifying him. But there is something about sung worship that is supernatural because it is inspired by the Holy Spirit and it is infused with the Holy Spirit. And that is what we're going to unpack today. So, how do we do that? 
how do we um, get that kind of supernatural breakthrough in worship? Um, so in John 4, we receive an instruction from Jesus about how we should worship. It's hopefully going to come up behind me, but I will also read it to you. So this is the story where Jesus meets the, um, the Samaritan woman at the well, and he asks her for a drink. Um, and they go on to have a conversation where he, I'm sure you will know this, but he says that the, you can drink water, it will quench your thirst temporarily, but if you want life and to be quenched forever, you need water through me. Um, and they're speaking about, um, about worship. And he's, um, the lady is saying that where, where she worships as a Samaritan, does it matter that she worships there, which is different to somewhere else? And Jesus says, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's a really clear instruction from Jesus that we must worship and we must do it in spirit and in truth. And that, I believe, is how we get that supernatural breakthrough in our worship. But what does it mean? So I'm going to unpack both of those. I'm going to start with truth. So on the surface, worshipping in truth, on one level, it means making sure that the, the worship that we give to God and the words that we sing is biblical truth, that what we're saying is scripture, it is, it's the right words to use to, to worship him. And that is why um, a lot of the songs that we sing are, well, all the songs that we sing are based on scripture. That is why the worship team interrogate these songs um, when we sort of decide what we're going to sing, what we're going to practice and learn to bring to the church. We look at those lyrics and we make sure that what we are singing and bringing to God is truth because he doesn't want false worship. And it would be pointless if we stood here singing, I've got... Macarena came, was the first one that came to my head. Macarena's God. That's, that's no good. <laughs> that was not in my notes. <laughs> Let's not do that. Um, so <laughs> that is not next week. Um, so on a, like a very sort of top level, that's what it means. We want to be singing truth to God. But more than that, it means worshipping in the truth of who God is and what he has done for you, who we are because of him and our circumstance. And that's, that's quite heavy. That is a lot to, to kind of have all of that on you and, and th to, for that to be the truth of your worship. So to give a bit of context to what I mean by that, is that in the Old Testament, God's presence didn't reside in his people. Like we've spoken of the last few weeks that the Holy Spirit at Pentecost came upon the disciples and now that spirit that lives in us, God's spirit is in us. Um, in the Old Testament, that didn't happen. God's presence did not reside in his people. Instead, it was in physical places. I think we have a picture of one of them, maybe. There we go. The Ark of the Covenant. Um, so this is where God's presence lived um, so that it could be carried around and moved among God's people, but it wasn't in God's people. Um, and it, um, it was either sort of carried around and you had to carry it on these poles. You couldn't touch it. You would die if you touched it. Um, and then when it was brought to a, a sort of a single place to dwell for a while, it would be in, um, in the temple that Solomon built. It's called the Holy of Holies, which is like sort of the innermost space where only the priest could enter. 
only at a certain time of the year, and they had to perform lots of different rituals to be able to do that. So I'm not going to read all of these, but for fun, a few of the things that people had to do before they could um, enter the, the most holy place to access God was bring a young bull or a ram, oh, and a ram for burnt offering, to put on a sacred linen tunic. Well, I don't want to own one of those, so I'm out. I can't access God anymore. Um, wear his sacred linen tunic and undergarments. Um, tie a linen sash, wear a turban. Um, for a different community, it had to be male goats. But you had to bring a physical offering and sacrifice it to God, as well as go through lots of sort of ritualistic practices for yourself. So you had to sort of atone for your sins in that moment, confess your sins and atone for them before you could access God. But when Jesus sacrificed himself, he became the sacrifice and the offering for all of us, for eternity. That is done. His death cleaned us of our sins. And then after Pentecost, as we said, after which followed Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit came to dwell in Jesus' followers. And so God's presence now has moved from being in a box that you can't access unless you're a specific person at a specific time who does a specific set of things to get there to residing in all of us all the time. And we have God's spirit within us. So we are now the vessel of the Holy Spirit. So the key difference for us and at that time is that because of Jesus taking our sin and sacrificing his life as our punishment, we can enter into God's presence unshackled by all of the things that you would have had to have cast off at that point. So there's um, in, this is Romans, I'm just going to read you a little bit there that just sort of explains that better than I will have. But So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses, when it was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Here's the key bit for this morning. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So when we come to God to worship him, there's no room for those things, your sin, your mess, your stuff that you don't want people to see. There's no room for that when you are in commune with God. He doesn't, he has seen it, he has seen it, but he has forgiven it, and he doesn't need you to bring that with you when you worship him. He doesn't want that there. There's no space for that. And for me, that's what it means to, to worship in truth, is worshiping God from the understanding that in spite of all of that stuff, I can let that go, I can leave that at the door when I come to him, and I can worship him without that. Because if you try and worship God and your mind is just on all of that stuff, the things that you would rather he didn't know, even though you know he knows them, so you can't hide them anyway. If that's all in there, and or you're, you're, you know, you're not feeling it, you're, I did this this week, or I'm still harboring this feeling of frustration, or whatever it is, 
If you come to God to worship him with all of that stuff inside you, it's really hard to worship. Are you really kind of focused on God and glorifying him and bringing him the worship that he deserves if in the back of your mind or maybe even the forefront sometimes is actually all of your stuff that you're thinking about? And um, it's a message I think it was a few months ago. Kai spoke about worship and speaking about worshiping God for who he is, not what he's done. It's amazing. We should praise God and thank him for what he's done. But we also shouldn't come to worship with, this is where I'm at. This is what I need. Please, God, do this for me. That's, that's not what it's about. We worship God because of who he is. Um, so there's a story in the Bible. I'm going to try my best to pronounce some great names. Um, so this is the story of um, Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. Um, and this is from two chronicles. I think I've got the full um, story behind. Um, but I'll set the context rather than read you everything. Um, so he's the king, and he's described as a good king, one that God is pleased with. Um, and he's in Judah, and he learns from a messenger that there are three armies that are coming to attack him. Just gonna, okay, we've got a bit before this, the scripture there. Um, so they're going to come and attack him, and he, he gets fearful, and he panics, and he's really, really scared. Um, and he gathers everybody, and he asks all of his people to start pray, praying and fasting. Um, and they start speaking to God, and he says to God, um, please, don't, please don't forsake me. These are all the things that you have done for me in the past. I thank you for that. Um, and these are your promises to me, and kind of asks God really to, to sort of come through for him. And while they're praying, uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jehaziel, um, <laughs> who is one of the men who is in the crowd. I'm not going to read you his whole descendancy. Can we jump along to the next slide? Um, and he, yeah, the Spirit falls on him and he hears from God. And he says, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Stand this way so you can all see it as well. Um, Do not be afraid or discouraged because the, because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Juriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah, and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Pause just there. So the Spirit comes down on this man, and the Spirit really reminds him of what he knows. But that is that his victory, it's not about his victory, it's God's victory. God already has the victory. And he says, you do not need to be afraid and you do not be, need to be discouraged. And this is a wonderful example. And I wish it always happened like this. He actually tells them how God is going to come through for them. He doesn't just say, God's going to come through and please trust, trust me. He tells them exactly what is going to happen, that they're going to go and they are not going to have to fight the battle. So if we pick up the story on the next slide. Um, so they all fall down, all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fall down in worship before the Lord. Um, 
I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit, mainly because I can't pronounce those places. On to the next one. Cool. This is what we want. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went. He's worshipping before. So he's prayed to God and he said, please help me. And the spirits come down. The spirit has said, God is going to help you. He doesn't wait then for that to happen. He doesn't wait and say, great, I'll bring you some worship once the battle's won. He goes right down, right there and then. He falls to the ground and he starts to worship God for who he is. I'm going to pick up the next part of the story. Um, so he sends the people out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I think that is the end of the scriptures that I've got there so the the next morning they go out to battle and they're ready to face to face these three armies but Jehoshaphat sends um sends priests to sing first it's not the only instance in the bible where someone sends sends the the band or the singers first and he sends them out and they are singing praise and worship to God and what happens is that they see the three armies who the messenger has told them about turn on each other and start to fight each other. So by the time Jehoshaphat and his men get there, they're all dead. The battle is won, and they didn't have to fight it. And they had the victory, and God had the victory there. So in that story, the soldiers and the king had to put aside their fear and their doubt to be able to see victory and breakthrough. But it was their worship that gave them that, that supernatural encounter with God to be able to do that. In their own strength before, Jehoshaphat was scared and he, he prayed, but it was his worship that was when he was then able to, to just walk out and see that breakthrough and see the victory that God had promised. So that's kind of, that's what I'm now going to think about when I think about worshipping and truth. It's not just, am I singing something that's correct? It's, am I singing, am I giving God my worship from a place that believes that? Regardless of what situation I'm in and regarding, regardless of what circumstance, am I worshipping God like he is the God who will give me breakthrough and will give me victory even if I am facing three hopefully only ever metaphorical armies coming at me? So that's what it means to worship in truth. And the second part is what it means to worship in spirit. So sort of three quick points on this one. So in Psalm 22, um, it says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. What does that mean? That means that because the Holy Spirit resides in us, when we praise, the Spirit is present in our praise, we're creating a, a throne, an altar for God because we have the spirit in us. So it's more than singing. It's Holy Spirit inspired and it's Holy Spirit infused worship. The second thing is that it's actually the Holy Spirit who compels us to worship. So in Ephesians 5, we are instructed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens when we are? We're compelled by the Spirit 
to speak to one another with psalms, songs, hymns, songs, and songs from the Spirit. <laughs> it's a lot of singing. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. We are instructed to do it. This isn't just something that we do because it's slightly nicer than hearing someone read pages and pages and pages. Like It is something that God wants us to do and he instructs us to do is worship him. So that means, again, that our praise and worship isn't just a song. It's a supernatural commune with God. We are in commune with God and we are having a conversation with him. And why is that important? I love, love this scripture. In Romans 8, 26 to 28, it says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. So what that tells me is when I don't know what to pray, either because I just, I just don't know and I don't know, have the words, or I don't know what God's will is in that situation, when I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will do it for me. If I come with truth and I come with the spirit that is in me, and I bring worship to God, yes, we have those words, we have those words of truth, but it, the spirit will translate that for God, and it is a supernatural commune with God, where the spirit will bring the needs and my heart to God, and the spirit knows his will. And so it doesn't matter if you don't have the words, or you don't know the will of God, you're not sure what to pray, because you're not sure what the right outcome of that situation is it's just going straight back to the lord's prayer like your will be done that's what we're always praying for and that is what the holy spirit being present in our worship allows to happen because it doesn't it doesn't matter if we are able to articulate with words what our prayer is because we're bringing worship that is filled with the holy spirit and then the third thing about worshiping in the spirit is that just as there is no room in your worship for the mess and the sin and the bad stuff that you don't want, just as we don't want to come to God with that, there's no room there for that in your worship, there is space that is created for better things in your worship. So for breakthrough, for revelation, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, like wisdom and knowledge and prophecy and speaking in tongues, all of those things that if you come to worship God with a head full of your own circumstance and your own truth, you don't have the space within you for the Holy Spirit to give you the word for the person who really needs you to speak into their life. You don't have the space in you for the wisdom or the knowledge that God wants to give to you so that you can make a difference in a situation. Or if you are... Um, you're sort of feeling like, God, I'm not hearing from you. I'm not hearing from you. If what's in the front and center of your mind is all of the rubbish and all of your inadequacy, he's got no room. There's no room to come in and there's no room to give you those gifts, all those gifts that we've spoken about over the last few weeks. There's no room for that. And you, you won't access that if you're sort of blocked and barred. 
So in Jehoshaphat's story, as we said, they, the soldiers, they had a lot of fear, a lot of fear and a lot of doubt. But through their worship, they put that aside. And what came in? Victory and breakthrough. So if you can think of a promise from God, maybe, that you feel should be a prophecy, what can you put down so that you can come to him and worship him in spirit and in truth to receive from him? Receive the gift that you need to rectify that situation, the wisdom that you need to understand the situation, or whatever it might be. Is there something in your life that you're like, I need breakthrough here and I'm not getting it? And I believe that worship is a vessel for that to happen. And that is one of the reasons why we did a little bit shorter worship at the beginning this morning, is that what I want us to do in a few minutes is just try and put that into practice. Try and put the stuff down and come to God and worship him in the truth of who he is, the truth of what he has done, the truth of your circumstance, that's the hard one, because you know the, tr- the worldly truth of your circumstance, but put that down and pick up the spiritual truth of your circumstance, and that is that God has victory in it. And I know that sounds like it's really, really easy to say, but I believe that if you do that and you worship God from that place, he will give you something that you need in that situation. It might not be the whole thing today. It might not be that you walk out of these doors and you get that phone call that you've got that job, that person is healed, or whatever it is. But I I promise, I was going to say I'm not going to promise, but I promise he will give you something in that time. So when we worship God in spirit and in truth, truth is elevated to prophecy. The lyrics of the songs that we sing can become prophecies. They're not just nice lyrics. They're not just reflective of things that we have seen, but they can be prophecies. A few that we've sung either this morning or at other times. So you make all things work together for our good. This is a house of miracles. Where the spirit of the Lord is, chains are broken. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I've seen you move mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You are here, healing every heart and turning lives around. They're not just lyrics. They're not just truths. They're incredible truths, but they're not just truths of the past that someone else has experienced. They are truths available to you. They are prophecies for you. And this is biblical. So I know that sounds great. And you're like, yes, please, Esther, I want that. It's biblical. In John 14, it says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And that's the bit that we kind of like to chop off that last bit, don't we? And we say, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Great. But it says, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. And that, I think, is the, that's the key of how this all comes together, of worshipping in truth and worshipping in spirit and having that supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit in your worship, who's in commune with God and allows you to connect with God and the, your heart and God's will speak in that time. So if you worship in the Spirit... I believe that things will happen. I cannot tell you what, but good things 
will happen. And so that is what I'd like us to do. Um, we're not a huge group today. We've got a few people away. But there's enough of us here that we can lift our voices and we can make some noise for God. So I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to hand um, back over to Liam and Sophie, who are just going to lead us in, in a time of worship. And just my prayer is that you are able to, to just, just, God, I just pray that you remind every person in this room, you touch every heart with the truth of who you are, of what you have done, and you stir in us the spirit that you have put in us so that we can worship you in truth and in spirit and glorify you in the way that you deserve. Amen.